Slow Burn Media, an evergreen podcast, presents Who Killed, a podcast that provides a voice for the voiceless. This morning, new developments as the attention surrounding Alec Murdoch's double murder trial now turns the spotlight onto the unsolved death of his surviving son Buster's classmate, Stephen Smith. I mean, I definitely think he was he was murdered. In a new interview with our ABC affiliate WCIV, first responder Tommy Moore now recalling when he found Stephen's body in the middle of a road. Before I could get out the car good, Connor said, oh, no, that's not a wreck, it's a murder. Authorities classifying Stephen as a victim of a hit and run, but Moore saying from what he saw, it didn't look like Smith was hit by a car. There's two things that come to my mind. Either he was murdered there or he was murdered elsewhere and dropped there. The family of Stephen Smith now raising over $80,000 to exhume the 19-year-old's body for an independent autopsy. My hope is that we can find the right people that we need to just start from the beginning and to get us answers. State authorities reopening the investigation into Stephen's death in June 2021 after saying they found new evidence while looking into the Murdoch double murders. Recently saying they have made progress in the death investigation of Stephen Smith. However, this investigation remains active and ongoing. I'm hoping to get the truth of what happened to my son. I just want justice and I feel it wasn't done right the first time. And now Buster Murdoch breaking his silence to address what he called vicious rumors, saying in a statement, these baseless rumors of my involvement with Stephen and his death are false. I unequivocally deny any involvement in his death and my heart goes out to the Smith family. Hello and welcome to episode 222 of Who Killed? I'm your host, Bill Huffman, and this is a Slow Burn Media, Evergreen Podcasts, and Killer Podcast production. On this week's episode, we head back into the low country and revisit another death that has been associated with the Murdoch family. As you know, Alex Murdoch was found guilty of killing his wife, Maggie, and son, Paul. Now with that case being wrapped up, the focus has turned to another mysterious case involving the Murdoch family, a supposed hit and run with 18-year-old Stephen Smith. Now Buster Murdoch's name had been floated during a couple documentaries from Netflix and HBO. Now SLED announced on March 21st that the suspicions into the death of Stephen had led them to change the case to a homicide investigation. The Bland-Richter law firm representing the family sent out a press release on March 21st, and they state, quote, We are proud to announce that after an extraordinary disclosure phone call with South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, SLED, Chief Mark Keel, that the death of Stephen Smith is now considered a homicide. A shocking announcement after eight years of being proclaimed a highway vehicular manslaughter. Quote, this announcement comes after a phone call between Bland Richter, co-founder Eric Bland, and SLED Chief Mark Keel, who have both committed to combining efforts, sharing information, and resources as the state moves forward with exhuming Stephen Smith's body and its subsequent investigations. Quote, we have a chance to right eight years of wrongs, and we intend to do just that, said Bland. Stephen Smith was found dead on a South Carolina road in 2015, and questions were raised about his death during the investigation into the murders of Paul and Maggie Murdoch in 2021. State police reopened Smith's case in 2021 after discovering evidence 
after the double murder investigation. Now you might be wondering why that's the case, but uh, that was just to keep the case at out of the public hand at that point. It was just wasn't necessary to uh, taint anybody's um, perception of the case. So anyway, they basically did a uh, independent autopsy and they believe that he was murdered. And Stephen Smith had had car trouble that night and he was apparently walking for help when he got hit by a car. Now, this is the theory that was posed to the family by the police. Now, Smith's family believes he was murdered and they want an unbiased look at his body and an accurate determination of his cause of death based on facts. At this date of this release, the GoFundMe has raised over $80,000. Now, she retained Bland Richter this week to represent her. The law firm has a long history of successfully representing clients in high-profile case cases, including multiple victims in the Alex Murdoch saga, which has captured the nation. SLED officials have also welcomed a partnership with Bland Richter in this investigation. They believe that working together will help to bring new leads and information to light and will ultimately lead to a resolution in this case. Now, in the press release, they talk about how there were more shocking developments. Quote, SLED officials have revealed that they did not need to exhume Stephen Smith's body to convince them that this death was a homicide. However, they will be present and participate in any exhumation of Stephen's body to gather more evidence. We are committed to finding out what really happened and getting the peace and justice for the Smith family, said Eric Bland and Ronnie Richter in a joint statement. SLED has also revealed on the phone call that they were waiting until the Murdoch trial was over before making this announcement out of concern that witnesses would not be as forthcoming under the Murdoch sphere of influence. Since the conclusion of the trial, more resources have been able to be devoted to this case. Now, Richter goes on to state that SLED is publicly supporting us, Sandy Smith, and her efforts to find out what really happened to her son. They have expressed their condolences to the Smith family and will continue to work diligently to bring those responsible for Stephen's death to justice. Quote, we are proud to be their partner in finding justice. Stephen Smith's death has been covered extensively by Bland, along with award-winning journalists Mandy Matney and Liz Farrell, who are co-hosts of the Cup of Justice podcast, and it's a spinoff of the Murdoch Murder Murdoch Murder podcast, which has been a primary source of information for the public about the crimes associated with the Murdoch family and the Stephen Smith case. So headlines across the country were Stephen Smith's death ruled a homicide eight years after he was found dead near the Murdoch property. And again, this was in the process of being revealed because of the fact that the trial was over. Um, this was in the works for over a year and a half. So uh, pretty interesting that they were able to keep it quiet, which is good. Um, but they did announce in 2021, you know, that they were reviewing the case. You know, they didn't make a big deal about it because they didn't want to, as they said, corrupt any witnesses or prevent any witnesses from coming forward because of the presence of the family. Now, again, as I mentioned, they are going to be there for the exhumation, which is supposed to happen sometime in the next few months. And Buster actually has 
put out a statement and he denied the quote unquote vicious rumors that he was involved in his classmate Smith's death. And his statement will go on to basically say that, you know, everything is ridiculous and I've had to stay here and keep quiet, but I can't do that anymore. So again, just so we know, Smith was found dead on July 8th in 2015, and this was on a rural road, which so happened to be near the Murdoch property. Now, this was with blunt force trauma to the head. And again, I mentioned this was supposedly a hit and run, but when a hit and run occurs, there are certain things that should be at the scene. So who was Stephen Smith? Well, according to the Daily Mail, the young man was found dead, as I said, on July 8th, 2015. Now, this was in Hampton County, and the 19-year-old nursing student had blunt force trauma to his head. His body was found three miles away from his car, and it was apparent that his car had run out of gas because he left the gas cap open. Now, this is where things get weird, because the teen's death was initially ruled a hit-and-run, but highway patrol officers have since claimed that they do not believe the scene was consistent with a road traffic accident. Now, the family attorneys have also pointed this out. Smith's wallet was left inside the car, and he never made any phone calls to his family at the time. Smith's mother, Sandy, said he would not have left his wallet behind and would have at least called his sister. And she also stated, quote, if he did have to walk home, he would have walked through the woods and there was a cornfield right there. He would have walked through. He would have made sure that he was not seen by anyone. And Sandy has long said that she wants to find the real reason behind her son's death. And as we mentioned before, she has raised a significant amount of money on GoFundMe. So again, this was a hit and run, according to the Highway Patrol, but there were a lot of things that were not there. So something like the fact that his body didn't have any injuries from the torso down, or one of the most damning pieces of evidence is the lack of car parts found at the scene. I mean, when you hit anything, you leave car parts. It's just <laughs> to imagine that somebody would be hit by a vehicle and not leave some sort of glass or plastic or fiberglass, whatever, or even paint uh, you know, on the clothing or the body, that's just ridiculous. So, you know, this case is something that obviously is very mysterious. It's very peculiar. I think there are a lot of people out there that want to jump to conclusions about what this possibly could entail, you know, since everybody in the Murdoch family seems to be associated with death. Paul being the boat driver during a drunken boating accident where he killed one Mallory Beach. And this is, again, a family that has just been constantly involved or, I guess, brought up in deaths. And it's very suspicious, needless to say. And one of the reasons why the Smith case and Buster are connected is that while the probe was going on, witnesses over a period of time had talked about a relationship that he possibly had with Buster. And that would have been um, 
you know, a gay relationship that wouldn't have been socially acceptable in the environment that he was living in. And again, that's just the way the rumors had went. And it was two documentaries that were put out by HBO and Netflix that basically went on and aired those rumors about Buster and Steven's possible romantic relationship. So, you know, now that Alex is convicted and Paul and Maggie are dead, Buster is really the only one left. And it is one of those cases where uh, you just kind of wonder if the apple didn't far, fall far from the tree or it felt did fa fall far from the tree. But, you know, we talked about that about Alex. And so maybe in this particular situation, it's possible that Buster also became, uh, you know, he wasn't as like obnoxious as Paul was, but he was definitely privileged. So there's a good possibility that there is something here, but again, innocent until proven guilty. And there really isn't any specific physical evidence or any physical evidence that connects him to the scene at this point in time. Of course, we don't know what's going on with the investigation. What we do know is what we've seen in those documentaries. And I'm pretty sure that you guys have watched them, at least the Netflix Netflix one. I do believe the HBO Max one is better, but uh, that's, again, to each his own. They're both pretty much the same. I do feel terrible for all of the people involved in this situation, uh, Stephen's family, uh, the Murdoch family's uh, friends that didn't have any intention of getting wrapped up in shit all these murder investigations these are this is not something that is normal anywhere so the fact that buster is now being uh some somewhat focused on i guess is kind of interesting we will see where it goes of course now the netflix documentary did explore the relationship and buster did refuse to give a comment and uh, more than half the people that were interviewed apparently had mentioned some sort of relationship between Buster and Smith. So there is some fire here. I mean, again, where there's smoke, there's some usually fire and um, it's just one of those things. I mean, it's uh, we're always going to jump to conclusions, but there is a law firm, the bland Richter law firm who is representing the Stephen Smith family and they are, uh, going to find justice and they did a press conference on Monday where they were able to um, kind of discuss uh, some of what is going on with this case and where they hope to uh, let it go. Now it's a Q&A and I'm going to go ahead and play it uh, here in a minute but do know that it is a Zoom call. The quality is iffy. Sometimes people forget to turn their mics on or whatnot uh, i'll try to do my best to clean that up but again this is a super interesting case because one nobody gets hit by a car still has their shoes on and has zero injuries below the torso just doesn't happen it's physically impossible so let's just be realistic and go in with an open mind but know that there were some shady things that do connect the Murdoch family to Stephen's case. So, you know, it was the fact that they were classmates. Um, now, 
cops were tipped off about an alleged gay relationship between the pair. And I'm just going through some of these uh, bullet points here. And, um, you know, Stephen's mom believed that he could have been a victim of a hate crime that was uh, pulled off by the Murdoch family. So it's interesting because, as I mentioned before, there were two documentaries about the murders or the Alex Murdoch murders. And some of them delved deeper into this case. And so it's interesting to see how um, your dirty laundry comes back. So to haunt you. I mean, Netflix's documentary was titled Murdoch Murders, A Southern Scandal and was released on February 22nd. And again, this is um, very interesting stuff. The three-part series, it did go into the family's possible involvement into the death of Stephen Smith, Mallory Beach, and Gloria Satterfield. And these, again, all happened under the Murdoch watch. So pretty interesting stuff. Go check them out if you can. In the meantime, check out this uh, press conference from what uh, the law firm who has been hired to represent Stephen Smith had to say about what they plan on doing. And uh, let's just hope that there is some justice in the future and the family will be able to uh, be able to move on. And that would be excellent. And again, not move on. That sounded terrible. But in the sense of being able to know what happened is got to be somewhat of a relief. Now, I know that it's not closure because there's no such thing, but it is important that the um, that the case gets solved. And hey, if it's not Buster and it's somebody else in the community, well, all the same. I mean, it makes no difference to me whether or not it was Buster. That is just an intriguing aspect of the case. It is very helpful for the family of Stephen Smith that he did get sort of caught up in this documentary because I don't think his case would have gotten the attention it probably deserved and may have just been completely uh, missed. So kudos to the documentarians for um, getting that done and putting that out there because it's really interesting stuff. And now that SLED's involved, I think it's really interesting. So um, go ahead and listen to this uh, press conference. And uh, again, just hang in there with the audio. It's not terrible and it's really interesting and intriguing stuff. So check it out. And I will be back next week with a brand new episode, probably discussing some more about either this case or some of the developments in the Idaho 4 case. So, in the meantime, enjoy this press conference. Good morning, everyone. I want to thank you for joining us today. We are here to discuss developments surrounding the tragic death of Stephen Smith. As you are now aware, Bland Richter Law Firm has been retained by Sandy Smith, Stephen's mother, to represent her in this matter. We will introduce them shortly, along with award-winning journalist Mandy Matney. We believe that it's essential for the public to be aware of the facts surrounding Stephen's death and for there to be a thorough and impartial investigation into the circumstances that led to this tragedy. We want to thank the incredible people who donated to the GoFundMe. As of this morning, the fund has raised over $65,000. 
We are here today because of your generosity and commitment to justice for Stephen. We wanna assure you that every dollar of this fund is going to the investigation, expert fees and exhumation costs. Investigators are being hired to start over as if they just arrived on the scene. We are not here today to indulge in rumors and speculation. We are committed to working with authorities to ensure that justice is served and that those who are responsible are held accountable. We understand that there are many questions surrounding this case and we wanna provide some answers and clarity in the weeks ahead. We wanna thank you for your attention this morning. Let me let a few more people in. I wanna introduce and thank Stephen's mother, Sandy Smith. Sandy, thank you for being here and joining us today. Sandy's grace and courage throughout this process shines through and I hope that everyone here is committed to finding the truth and the peace that she deserves. I also would like to introduce Eric Bland and Ronnie Richter, the founders of Bland Richter Law Firm. Eric is also the co-host of Cup of Justice along with Mandy Matney, an award-winning journalist who has been an integral part of sharing Stephen's story through her podcast, The Murdaugh Murders and Cup of Justice. Mandy and her partner, Liz Farrell, were the first to write about Stephen's story and have continually put pressure on the fact that his death needs to be reinvestigated. They are a foundational reason that we are here today and have been incredible advocates for Sandy and Stephen Smith. Thank you all so much. Mandy's also here with us to answer any questions. With that being said, I wanna give the floor to Ronnie, then Mandy, then Eric, and we will be taking questions at the end. So please keep your mics down. You can ask questions in the chat. I'll be fielding those. And I just wanna thank you all for being here and let's get started. Ronnie, floor is yours. Yeah, good morning. This is Ronnie Richter, partner of the Bland Richter Law Firm. Uh, my partner, Eric Bland and I are honored today to announce our representation of Sandy Smith as it relates to a renewed investigation into the death of her son, Stephen Smith. On July 8th, 2015, at approximately 4 a.m., Stephen Smith's body was found in the middle of Sandy Run Road in Hampton County. Uh, there were no skid marks around his body. There, were no, there was no vehicular debris found. Uh, his loosely tied shoes were still on his feet. His motor vehicle uh, was about three miles away on Bamberg Road uh, with the gas cap removed. And while it would appear that his car broke down and he had walked for help, he never called from, for help from the cell phone that was found on his body. Um, Sandy Smith has never accepted the conclusion of the cursory investigation that followed his death that, that concluded that his death was a, a result of a hit and run. And uh, it is our job today, it is our honor today to launch a new investigation into this death in the hopes of finding real answers to the questions that still persist surrounding Stephen's death. Wonderful, thank you so much, Ronnie. Eric, we're gonna pass the baton to you. Good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you for attending this uh, press conference and the introduction of Bland Richter into this investigation. <clears throat> I've been a lawyer for 35 years and many of our cases come to us after other people have uh, represented clients. And so this is nothing different than what we've had many times in our career. And what we're going to do is start over. We're going to hire experts who are going to come into this case with a fresh set of eyes, with an open mind, without any preconceived conclusions, being objective and wherever the facts go, that's where the investigation will go. We've been hired and we're going to give our time 
to petition the court to get permission to exhume the body of Stephen. We're going to have to show good cause to the court why they should do it, because in our state, like in every other state, people who have died have rights. They don't end when their heartbeat stops. And Stephen has a right not to have his grave disturbed, as do other people who are buried. And so we're going to have to uh, petition the court, show facts that would indicate that uh, a fresh set of eyes, a new autopsy may yield a different conclusion that Stephen was not killed on Sandy Run Road in Bamberg County, that maybe he was killed somewhere else. And if we get that permission, Ronnie and I are going to supervise and oversee the exhumation process, making sure it's respectfully done. You have to have uh, a funeral director there. There, there has to be uh, protocols put in place to make sure that the, the remains are not uh, disturbed any more than they should be and do it in a respectful fashion and hire investigators who are going to go back and do a Stephen Smith 2.0. This is not a Alex Murdoch 2.0 or any Murdoch 2.0. This is a Stephen Smith 2.0. It's all about Stephen. And what we intend to do is look at his life, you know, look at the life 90 days before July 8th, 2015. Look at who he was um, associating with, who were his friends, what kind of communications did he have, what were his plans. We knew that he was a nursing student and obviously wanted to become a doctor. Um, we think a lot of the pre-death communications can be relevant. We also think that post-death communications on different people could yield some information. One of the things um, that we can do is start a civil suit. Um, to look at the cause of death, which would give us subpoena power as well as uh, discovery rights under the South Carolina Rules of Civil Procedure. But all those are decisions that are going to be made down the road. The first decision it has to be made by a judge, and hopefully a judge will see that we have good cause to open Stephen's death. We, we think that he did not die um, on that road that fateful mm -hmm. night. We think that there was... Um, other reasons and other causes that caused this death. Our job is not to find out who did it. That's not what we do. We're not law enforcement. We're not doing a criminal case. We're helping in an investigation. And what we're really trying to do is give a mother answers. Parents should never have to witness children dying before them. And Sandy has witnessed that. And for eight years, all she has is questions. And you know, we're very grateful for law enforcement for what they've done so far to date on this case. We know that in September 2021, they opened the investigation. Sorry, I'm jittery. I have my knee replaced, so I'm trying to get comfortable. But in September 2021, they opened uh, an investigation in Stephen's mm -hmm. death. And we have maintained that SLED should have been and is the proper investigative agency for Stephen's death. And so we intend to uh, share anything that we may find in our own investigation with law enforcement. There's no uh, secret sauce here. There's no intent on us trying to trump anybody. It's our goal that we can all work jointly together. Awesome. Thank you, Eric. We're going to open the floor for any questions. If you want to raise your hand or drop it in the chat or flip off your mic, that all works. Uh, the first one that I'm looking at here is, what are the next steps around getting the new investigation moving? 
Yeah, so the immediate next steps would be to petition the court for the right to exhume the body. Uh, and on a parallel track, we'll be reaching out to experts in the field who've done this before, who've uh, performed autopsies on bodies, um, you know, that are several age, several years old, like Stephen. So hopefully by the time we get the permission of the court, granted we get the permission of the court, we'll be engaging with experts who are qualified in this field to examine a body like Stephen's and still be able to come up with some forensic answers for what happened that day. You know, it's important that I say today as well that part of this uh, presser is, is an appeal to the public that, you know, if you have information, if you know information about Stephen, about what you think might have happened, you know, we're, we urge anyone in the public with that type of information to reach out to us and share it. Um, it's going to be hard to open an investigation after eight years, but it has to start with an examination of his body and an independent determination of the true cause of death, which we don't accept to be vehicular manslaughter. Thank you, Ronnie. Next question from Andrew Davis. This crime happened a long time ago now. Do we know what can actually be found during an autopsy now? What is still viable and what information of evidence may be difficult to recreate or find? I'll take that. I think that um, the forensic experts will be able to determine if indeed he was in was struck by an automobile. Certainly there would be marks on his body from a bumper of a car or a hood. Um, to our knowledge, there was only shoulder up injuries, which would indicate that there was not being, that he wasn't struck by a bumper of a car. Um, they'll be able to determine uh, fractures that would indicate if somebody was projected hitting, you know, being hit by a car, if he was really hit in the back of the head uh, with blunt force. I know they've indicated they thought it would may have been a mirror from a truck, you know, how far he would be projected. In, you guys saw in the murder murder trial, I mean, so much can be done with technology and computer simulation and uh, measurements. And certainly the, the technology that exists today didn't exist in 2015. You know, we, learned, we all learned about the importance of, of phone mapping. And we intend to go back and look at phones, look at uh, where they were, who he spoke to, who spoke to him. You know, Stephen had to live a secret life. There's no question about it. Being young and gay in the low country was not an easy thing to do. It's not easy today. Certainly wasn't easy in 2015. Um, he didn't hide it. He, he was proud of being gay. However, he had to be cautious. And people that have to be cautious have to be secretive. And so we're going to try to break down some of those secret walls. Sandy herself uh, would like to know some things that, that she suspects. But, you know, Stephen had to live a very secret, careful life and we have to break down those walls. Thanks, Eric. Next question comes from Bristow Marchant. How much money has been raised for the exhumation and what specifically will that money go toward? The exhumation itself, legal cost, et cetera. Okay, I'm back on. Hey. hey, I don't know the cost, the exact cost of an exhumation or anything, but I can also just assure everyone I've known Sandy for four years now and the only thing this woman wants is answers. And I can guarantee you that she is going to put every penny to getting answers toward her for, for her son to get justice because that's all that she's wanted all along. Um, there's no reason for speculation. And another thing I've noticed, like a lot of the people asking questions about where the money's going aren't the ones who are donating. So I believe 
I, Eric, you should probably know where, uh, how, do you know how much an exclamation costs and all yeah. that? Yeah. The, an, an exclamation can cost anywhere between 10 and $25,000. You saw in the, uh, the murder trial that expert witnesses can charge mm -hmm. up to $600, $700 an hour. Um, they're most, some of the world renowned people, and we want, we want to get the best of the best. We're going to find out who's the best at this. And if they're out of state, they're going to charge for their travel time and they charge mm -hmm. a daily rate. And sometimes that daily rate can be anywhere between $5,000 and $7,500. So uh, we can assure everyone the money is not going to blame Richter. We're not charging legal fees to petition the court and oversee this process. That is what we are contributing. We would have done this sooner. We were willing to donate our time, but we didn't have the money. And you, these costs are expensive. You saw it in the... The murder, the murder trial. And that's why that was so good because the public got to see expert witnesses do consume a lot of the trial um, budget. And in this case, not only are we going to need the forensic pathologists, but we're going to need investigators and people who can specialize in accident reconstruction. You know, we, Ronnie and I have trucking cases all the time and an accident reconstructionist can cost anywhere from 15 to $20,000. So, Let's not have the dollars stop coming. There'll be full transparency on this money, I can assure you. Any questions that you want where it'll go, we will show you where the money will go. It's going to go to be poured into this case. And look, at the end of the day, it may be that it was uh, a vehicular manslaughter. That's still a crime. That's still somebody that's driving around in the state today who hit and killed a young man and didn't stay and take responsibility. We don't think that's going to be the case, but that very well, very well may be the conclusion. Thanks, Eric. <clears throat> From Blair at Live 5, if the court does not give permission to exhume Stephen's body, where does that put this investigation? Ronnie? Well, we, we hope that's not going to happen, Blair. We, we think we have good cause to show why a fresh set of eyes on this would be beneficial. Um, obviously, if it would be a significant setback. Yes, we can still hire investigators to go back and kind of recreate the steps, um, look back at those communications that Eric talked about, see if we can find some fresh new leads, but it kind of has to start with a fresh new look at the body and an independent determination of that cause of death. Um, and as Eric said, it, it may be that that investigation is confirmatory of what's already been said about the cause of death. We don't think that's true. You know, we, as a native South Carolinian, um, if if you don't know someone in South Carolina, if you haven't struck a deer in South Carolina, you know someone who has. And this is a terrible analogy, but if you if you strike an animal on a highway in South Carolina, vehicular debris is everywhere. And, and the fact that Stephen's body is apparently placed in the middle of the roadway and there's no debris of any kind present really leads us to believe that that is not what caused his death. So I don't care if it's the mirror or the bumper what part of the car might have struck him. It just makes no sense to us that he could be struck in that fashion badly enough to cause his death and there'd be no vehicle debris of any kind whatsoever. So we hope by presenting this to the court that they will see that there is good cause shown why, why an exhumation is proper in this circumstance. And that is the key part, part of the investigation. Yeah, don't forget, Thanks, Ronnie. Ronnie. Don't forget, Ronnie, that um, Stephen had loose shoes on. So if you're hit in a, by a vehicle that's going fast enough, that's going to project you, 
your shoes are just going to fall off under the best of circumstances. His were loose and untied. So it's, it's almost inconceivable that his shoes didn't come off. So those are all reasons. Additionally, I think that the, the fact that there's so much public interest in supporting Sandy's cause of trying to find out really what happened, I would find it hard to believe that a judge would take the position, no, we, we don't want to give a mother, a grieving mother, the answers that she's looking for. Thank you, Eric. Eric, I've got a question from Forrest. Eric, you said that Stephen Smith did not die on Sandy Run Road. Is there a theory that he was killed somewhere else and taken there? Yeah, that's been the, the theory advanced all along by uh, Mandy, uh, by Liz, by many other people, not only just the, the close circle of people that are on this phone call. Everybody believes that, you know, if you look at all the attending circumstances, leaving a wallet in the car, nobody would leave their wallet in a car unlocked and uh, the ability to... To, to steal it, especially if he ran out of gas. And, you know, people uh, open their gas caps, which lets uh, the police know that they ran out of gas. You know, when I was younger, you know, we laughed about this on our podcast. You know, we used to have antennas on our hood of our car. And if your car broke down, you put your, a white T-shirt or a white washcloth up there to signif signify that your car broke down. Stephen would have taken his wallet to get gas. Stephen would have made a phone call or two, or tried. I know everybody says, look, we're out in the country and there's, you know, inconsistent cell coverage. But Stephen would have made a phone call and tried. So there's going to be evidence of making a phone call. All of these things lead us to believe, um, in addition to Stephen's careful nature that he took in his everyday life because of his lifestyle, we don't think he would be walking down a road um, on a country road when there was a quicker way for him to get home and he knows the area, he would have done it in a way that he wouldn't have been seen. Sandy, do you have anything you want to add to that? You want to add yeah. to that about Stephen being careful and his lifestyle and. Yeah, he would, um, Stephen would, if he did have to walk home, he would have walked through the woods and there was a cornfield right there. He would have walked through that. He would have made sure that he was not seen by anyone. He would do that to his dad and sister. He would hide and make them find him. Would he have left his wallet in his car, Sandy? No, no, he would not have. And he would have called his sister at least because she was the closest to the house or to where the car was. His twin. His twin sister, yes. Thank you, Sandy, thank you. and thank you for being here this morning. Next question is from Catherine. Buster Murdoch put out a statement for Jim Griffin this morning. Can anyone comment on that? Yeah, I, I can comment on that. Um, we, we've not mentioned Buster's name one time. This is not about Buster Murdoch. So this is about Stephen Smith. This is about trying to get answers to questions that his mother uh, desperately needs answers for. So um, th there's no reason to discuss uh, Buster Murdaugh, and there's no comment to make back to Buster Murdaugh. We're going to find out, God willing, court willing, what was Stephen Smith's true cause of death. And if it was something other than as has been reported, then we, we hope at that point in time to re-enlist all the resources of the state of South Carolina to engage in a new investigation and to find real answers to what happened to Stephen. Yeah, as we, as we believe, uh, Whitney and Ronnie, you know, as we sit here today, Buster is a victim. 
he lost a mother or a brother and, and now his father's in jail. You know, Buster, as we know, has nothing to do with this. And whatever is mentioned in the records, that's what investigators are going to look at. But we have no knowledge at all um, about Buster or the Murdoffs having anything to do with this right now. We're starting with a fresh set of eyes. Thanks, Eric. Next question is from Rachel. How many investigators have been hired already? How long will this process take? And are there any dates on the books? No one has been hired. I've talked to um, two out-of-state uh, pathologists. I've talked to an in-state pathologist um, and an accident reconstruction person. Um, everyone's going to be interviewed. It's going to be a, a joint uh, decision being made by Ronnie and me and Sandy and the whole team. Uh, including Mandy and Liz, you know, this could not, again, there's no Blam Richter on the scene uh, unless there was Mandy, Matney, and Liz Farrell. Their, their tenacity in, in digging into this case, not only after the boat wreck, but staying on top of the Stephen Smith case. Remember, the, the cacophony of sound of the murder case took precedence over the past two years. But what you always heard was Liz and Mandy saying, let's not forget about Stephen Smith. So, Liz Farrell did a timeline that's um, absolutely amazing uh, that predates Stephen's death and postdates it. Uh, and Mandy's dogged reporting is just a wealth of information that we intend to share for the investigators. Last night when I was trying to prepare because I just got retained Friday night, I read one of Mandy's articles. And I mean, it's a it's a tutorial on this case. And I'm not sure that. Um, that people who looked in this case looked at it the same way that Mandy did and Liz. Thanks, Eric. And Jeanette, I'm gonna let you on mute real quick if you wanna ask your question. And if anyone else has questions, you can also raise your hand or drop it in the chat. We're, we're taking these one by one. Hi, thank you. Um, and thanks for holding this news conference. I'm wondering, um, you know, sometimes law enforcement can be loath to partner with um, citizens, lawyers in investigations like this one, a criminal investigation. Uh, are you anticipating some cooperation? And as far as those electronics go, um, you know, we know you guys probably have access to Stevens electronics. Is there anybody in anybody in particular who you're looking to uh, subpoena records for in the aftermath of Stevens' death? Right now, no. Um, we intend to talk with um, everybody in his orbit which would be all family members, his sister, obviously, Sandy, friends that'll come forward and tell us, you know, who he, who he would associate with, who, who, he, who he may have been dating at the time. Um, and again, I, I expect that law enforcement will give us the normal cooperation. You know, certainly we have uh, developed a good relationship with the AG's office and SLED throughout the, uh, the Satterfield process. I think that Ronnie and I uh, were instrumental um, in this in the Satterfield case in educating SLED and getting them the information they needed to indict Alex. So I, I think we have a really good working relationship. I certainly have a good working relationship uh, with Creighton Waters. I know that there was a grand jury impaneled on Stephen's death and it's, it's no longer in session. So um, whether they will share information with us, I can tell you we will share information with them. We're, even though it may not be a full two-way street, um, the more information that we could put on SLED's desk or the AG's desk that uh, we may acquire, and again, that's the word may acquire, I think will be beneficial. 
Eric, you said that there there was a grand jury impaneled into Stephen's death, so it's no longer active. So does that mean the AG's office has kind of dropped this, or what? What is your uh, what is your what information do you have about that? I don't have any information other than they're no longer in panel. So it means one of two things that they returned an indictment and the AG is sitting on it, which I highly doubt, um, or they they there was just not enough information that was garnered over the past two years. Remember, this investigation opened up, according to SLED, based upon a finding of something during the investigation of Alex's murder of Maggie and Paul. We don't know what that is. We don't know what caused it. Um, Mandy, do you have any knowledge of what that could be? Yeah, um, I just, uh, a couple things here. And again, I think we just really need to focus on the fact that this is about Stephen, not about the Murdoch investigation. But with the grand jury, uh, I believe that was the state grand jury. And we're not sure, like the state grand jury does not do murder cases either. So I wouldn't look into that too much about their involvement and what that means. I think what we need to focus on today is that everybody in the media, everybody out there participating in this, y'all have a responsibility and a lot of power to give Sandy Smith, this woman who has been waiting for justice for more than seven years, to, to help her. And I believe after digging into these files and after digging into this investigation for four years, I firmly believe that there are many people in Hampton County, South Carolina right now who know what exactly happened to Stephen. And they need to know that this is not going away. And I am so glad that Eric and Ronnie are there, are here to stand behind Sandy and to do all of this because it's a huge, this is exactly what needs to happen. The spotlight needs to be on Stephen. Stephen's story can stand alone and will stand alone. And somebody said this, and I said this on the podcast, but if either everybody counts or nobody counts and Stephen counts, and we need to focus on that and move forward and get answers for the Smith family. Thank you, well Mandy. Said. Well said. Sandy, this leads into a question for you. Can you tell us what you hope to find and why this is so important to you? It's important to me because, I mean, I just love my son. And since I couldn't protect him, I'm going to fight for him. Um, I want to thank everyone who's donated and supported us from the beginning. And But I hope to find the real reason for Stephen's death and the real why? We've got a couple questions about a different case. We're going to keep this on Stephen. So if you'll keep your questions about Stephen and that particular case, that'd be great. Next question from Rachel. Specifically, what kind of phone data are you seeking to discover? Uh, I'll give this to Ronnie, but first I want to thank you, Whitney, for um, hosting this. Uh, you did an amazing job putting this together within 24 hours, McDuff communication. So appreciate that. So Ronnie, go ahead, talk about the phone data. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to say we want it all is kind of cliche, I guess, but you know, we, we do data downloads on devices all the time in litigation. So 
what we'd be seeking to do on his on his mobile device is download everything and to track as best we can all of his movements for that period of time leading up to his death, certainly. And as Eric said, take a look back for a period of time and try to find out who were those people that he was in regular communication with. And this will lead us into the investigation. This will be the leads that the investigators need to get into the field and start asking questions about what were his relationships, what were his contacts, who was he talking to, and about what. Um, it's, it's only through getting boots on ground in this fashion and spading through these lines of communication that we can hopefully find that thread that leads us to the real information about Stephen's death. Now, now again, it's our working assumption that this was not just a hit and run, but that something else happened. Now, if the facts don't bear that out, they don't bear that out, but we don't think that's the case. Thanks, Roddy. We're gonna take one final question from Dylan. Do you intend to publicize the findings of the investigation? Yes, there's no, this is full transparency here. Just want everybody to know um, this is full transparency. We want to be open exactly who uh, we hire. That's not going to be a secret. Um, obviously, if we do get core permission and in order to exhume, we want to do it in a respectful fashion. We, we don't want this to be a media circus when the body is exhumed, if it's exhumed. Um, we want to be able to have it, uh, Stephen examined professionally, appropriately, uh, with the greatest respect, and then re-interned. So um, the process, just to give a timeline, we, we expect to have something filed, I would think, within a week to 10 days. I want to make sure I'm educated and Ronnie and I are educated properly on what we should put in that petition. Uh, the petition is the, our one chance. This is, you know, it's like Eminem, you get one shot. And we want to make this shot count. So the first thing is um, hiring the, the, the right experts. And we'll have that decision made by Wednesday of this week. And then coordinating with them for them to give us some guidance on what, what are the magic bell words that we want to make sure we cover. So that when we go into court, we give a, the rightful showing. I'm confident uh, that the court will grant us this permission. Then we have to go through the process of hiring the right funeral director and uh, where is it going to take place? How is it going to take place? Um, and then contemporaneously, we will have investigators now going through the file. I mean, Mandy and Liz have uh, garnered tremendous amounts of information, not just the, the normal autopsy photos, but uh, a lot of investigative notes that have already taken place. And uh, remember, there were competing agencies they were investigating this, whether it was Highway Patrol at one time or SLED or some different local law enforcement, um, so that that person who investigates this can look at everything and then give us direction. Uh, Ronnie and I have never done this um, before. So uh, we're learning like we do on most cases. Uh, we educate ourselves and when we open our mouths, hopefully we, we sound like we know what we're talking about. Perfect. Thank you. Any final words, Eric, Ronnie, Sandy, Mandy? Ronnie? Yeah, thank you to the public. Uh, thank you for the support. Thank you for the generosity that's brought us to this point. And again, if you have information, please come forward. We, we need your help. It's going to be essential to this investigation that people talk. So thank you so far. Thank you for Sandy Smith. And uh, we will be tr completely transparent, as Eric said. Uh, as we know things in this investigation, so will you. Yeah, we will not have uh, um, 
closed door hearings. That's not something that we want. Obviously, we can't control that if the judge orders it. Um, that's up to the judge. Um, just so you know, uh, during the, the, the murder case, I received tremendous input, input from the public. Um, ways that they looked at things that I didn't look at or that Creighton may have not looked at. And I will say this about Creighton Waters. He was receptive to every piece of information that the public wanted to give him that, that I received. I know he read it. Some he would say, obviously, I disagree with. And some, as the trial progressed, I knew that he used. So, you know, everybody's got two ears, two eyes, and a great brain. And collectively, if everybody puts it together, there, like Ronnie said, there are people out there. Sandy has said this. There are people out there. And Mandy is, has screened this from the rooftops in Hampton County, in Colton County, in Bamberg County, that, that know things. I mean, people talk and they know people's lifestyle and they know things about Stephen that even Sandy doesn't know. And a fact that somebody could think is innocuous or really doesn't count is a great fact when it's matched up with another fact that somebody else may think is innocuous. So um, our, our email address is, uh, you can email me at ericbland at blandrichter.com. Um, my phone number is 803-600-7476. Anybody can text me, they can call me. I will take any piece of information. Awesome, thank you, Eric. <clears throat> Final question, which leads us into wrapping up. Where can we expect to see updates? Will they come in the form of press releases from Whitney McDuff? I will speak to this part. We absolutely want the media's allies we will be giving you all as much information as we have. We are all looking at the same North Star here, which is to find out what happened to Stephen. So we are partners with you all. We want to keep you informed on what's going on so you can count on us for that. Eric and Ronnie are available. Eric just gave his phone number and his email. Uh, Ronnie is Ronnie at BlandRichter.com. I am Whitney at WhitneyMcDuff.com. Please reach out to us with any questions. If you want comments, we are absolutely here to help you all. So I wanted to thank everybody for coming today. Great questions. We will be keeping you informed as the investigation progresses. And we hope everyone has a great day. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Stephen Smith's Murder. Because this investigation is just picking up speed and it is going to become very interesting if things turn the way that the public has thought that they might go. I know that there are people out there that believe that Buster may be involved, but let's remember innocent until proven guilty. And hey, kudos to the law enforcement uh, division for opening up the case again. And hey, we'll see where it leads. Again, it doesn't have to be Buster. It could be anybody. But as long as there's somebody held accountable, that would be great. So thank you again for tuning into this week's episode. There will be a brand new one next Friday. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at BillHuffman3. I know it's a cesspool thanks to Elon Musk, but it is what it is. And until we get something better, that's where you'll find me. So thanks again for listening. Thank you so much to the Bland Richter Law Firm for providing this audio. Thank you so much to... Public Relations Director Whitney McDuff. And again, thank you, the listeners, for tuning in. If it wasn't for you, 
the show wouldn't exist. So, thanks again, and as always, until next week, stay healthy and be safe. Have you ever wondered about things that go bump in the night, or objects in the sky, or other things you just couldn't explain? Then join me, Jim Mallard, on my podcast, The Mallard Report. Each week, you'll find engaging conversations with guests who are authors, historians, and scholars who lend their expertise as we discuss current events and venture into the fringe and paranormal. The Mallard Report hits controversies head-on, yet remains conversational, and can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any other major podcast platform. You might be surprised to know that not all serial killers are straight, cisgender white men. And the victims of true crime are not a monolith either. She's Wendy and I'm Beth. And together we host Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color, a true crime podcast. Together we take deep dives into the true crime stories about marginalized and minoritized perps and victims that often go untold. We also provide the context and nuance that these stories deserve. At Fruit Loops, we're serving up true crime with a side of history, society, culture, and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.